In today's episode, we're going to revisit the diffusion of innovations theory and explore some of the criticisms it's received over time. We covered what the theory was in an earlier episode, so if you aren't familiar with the theory, it would be a good idea to start there. Um, in that episode, we explored some of the research that helped Rogers describe the diffusion of innovations, um, but we did say that we needed to spend some time reviewing it, and this is the episode where we do this. Rogers' diffusion of innovations model has been applied in over 5,000 studies. It's been well accepted and used in agricultural extension, certainly up to the 1980s when the transfer of technology approach was still prevalent. But even with this success, there have been a number of criticisms. In fact, Rogers himself believed that the progress of a scientific field is helped by realization of its own assumptions, biases and weaknesses. And so he included a section in his books covering criticisms of the theory. Well, that's transparency at its best, isn't it, John? And it's really good to see. Um, the four main categories of criticisms are pro-innovation bias, individual blame bias, recall problem, and the issue of equality. The pro-innovation bias implies that it's beneficial for an innovation to be diffused and adopted by all farmers. Now, in reality, farmers should only adopt innovations that are appropriate to their context. Just look at how land clearing was actively promoted to the early settlers in Australia and New Zealand. In fact, at one time, if you didn't clear enough land, the government could take your land from you. Um, but now governments have outlawed excessive land clearing um, and farmers are being taken to court if they don't comply. Uh, so what's perceived as beneficial can change over time. This pro-innovation bias from researchers and advisors is particularly directed at the laggards, who Frank Van Clay in one of his articles described tongue-in-cheek as those recalcitrant farmers who refuse to adopt the new techniques that scientists consider are appropriate. While we're talking about laggards, let's talk about the use of that term, laggards. It seems an emotionally laden word and quite derogatory. Rogers himself admitted that uh, laggard might sound like a bad name. He pointed out that the term laggard isn't meant to be negative and suggested that the real issue may not lie with the individual, but with the environment, processes and system in which the individual operates. But I'm not sure that makes the person who's just been labelled a laggard feel any better. I've heard others awkwardly try to avoid using the word, instead replacing it with slow coaches or other polite synonyms, but at the end of the day, they all mean the same. Yeah, so John, a funny story for you. Everett Rogers' own father may have been a laggard. Um, his father loved electromechanical farm innovations, but he was highly resistant to biological and chemical innovations. His father actually resisted adopting the new hybrid corn, even though it yielded 25% more crop and was resistant to drought. It was sadly during the second Iowa drought of 1936 that the crop on his father's farm wilted, and only then did he adopt the new innovation, the hybrid corn. Uh, technically speaking, though, he probably was a member of the late majority and not really a laggard, even though that really does make a good punchline, John. 
Oh, that's so interesting, Denise. Let's move on to the second criticism, the individual blame bias. This occurs when the blame for non-adoption is put on the farmers. Whereas, you know, sometimes it's the fault of the extension practitioner for poor or unclear communication of the innovation, or just that the innovation isn't appropriate. Instead of considering the whole system and the possible influence of external factors, blame is attributed to the individual. <laughs> this just isn't fair. Absolutely, John. Um, the third criticism is around the recall problem. Now, this occurs when adopters of an innovation can't accurately recall the exact time they adopted the innovation, let alone when they may have first heard about it. This then reflects the accuracy of the adoption-related data and the diffusion curve. However, some research by Mayer and Co. in 1990 indicated that people can accurately recall detail about an event and how they heard about it several weeks afterwards. So we aren't sure whether this criticism is as important as the others, but it's definitely worth highlighting. And the fourth and final major criticism, as listed by Rogers, is the issue of equality. This relates to the socioeconomic benefits of an innovation not being equally distributed through a given population and the consequent widening of the socioeconomic gap due to the adoption of the innovation. This is probably the most difficult of the criticisms to address. Researchers such as Borden Vave in 1976 suggested that we shouldn't ask the typical research style questions Instead, a much broader set of questions could be used to provide a better context to adoption of the innovation and can highlight some of these issues. The neglect of socio-political factors by extension practitioners, particularly those working in developing countries, has recently been highlighted by Cook et al. in their article, Humanizing Agricultural Extension, which has just been published in 2021. It isn't only Rogers that has criticized the diffusion of innovations theory. Um, others have criticized the linearity of the model. Some researchers suggest that innovation diffusion is an unstructured emergent phenomenon, whilst others acknowledge that these days we're operating in an agricultural innovation system, um, of which of course is anything but linear. Jeff Kane, an Australian agricultural economist now living in New Zealand, cautions against using Rogers' adoption attributes to estimate the number of potential adopters. His studies in 2008 showed this often leads to overestimating the size of the potential population of adopters and underestimating the actual level of uptake. He also proposed the relative advantage of an innovation is the key factor limiting the adoption of innovations in agricultural contexts. Another criticism is that many people misinterpret the diffusion of innovations theory and think that innovativeness is a personal characteristic, yet adopters will often fall into different categories for different innovations. So while being a laggard for one innovation, the same adopter may be an early adopter for a different innovation, just like Roger's father. Yes, that's so true, Denise. There's also an issue with the possible negative impacts from the use of the theory, as raised by Gary Stevenson back in 2003. For example, if all the farmers grew the same variety of hybrid corn, 
This monoculture situation could exacerbate a pest or disease wiping out all the crops in the entire region, possibly then leading to food shortages. Another challenge to the diffusion of innovations theory uh, comes from Jeffrey Moore, who wrote the book Crossing the Chasm back in 2002. He suggests that the adoption curve is not continuous for discontinuous technologies, where adopters are required to substantially change their behaviour or to modify other products and services they use. Rather, there are gaps between each of the segments and a rather large one referred to as a chasm between early adopters and the early majority, as shown in this figure from his book. This implies there are two separate markets for the product on either side of the chasm. Moore says that leading edge adopters are looking for a competitive advantage, for example, lower product costs and faster time to market. They accept this will involve the pain of changing from the old established ways to the new improved ways. They accept there will be bugs and glitches involved in the change, but they do it to gain the business advantage. Early adopters are willing to suffer the inconvenience and high cost to get that business advantage. In contrast, the early majority are seeking productivity improvement for existing operations. They want evolution, not revolution, um, and expect the technology to work with their existing systems without any glitches. While the early majority look to other users to validate their purchasing decisions, they don't consider early adopters as being similar enough to them to rely on what they think. This is a catch-22 situation where the early majority only respect the opinion of other early majority members, and it means it is difficult for many innovations to survive past that chasm. So let's sum up. The original diffusion of innovations theory, described by Rogers back in 1962, has been widely used in agriculture and beyond. We've outlined some of the criticisms of it, from highlighting the pro-innovation bias to the discontinuous nature of some innovations. But the bottom line is that the theory hasn't been disproven. In fact, other models have been built upon the foundation of the diffusion of innovations theory, such as the United Theory of Acceptance and Use of Technology, or UTORT, developed by Venkatesh and co. back in, two in year 2003. So what are the conclusions for enablers of change? We think that given that the diffusion of innovations theory is so widely used, that it's important to understand it. But it's equally important that if you are using it to read up on these criticisms, acknowledge potential biases, and try to make sure that you are making an effort to discuss their impact in your context, or at the very least acknowledge that they might be affecting how you're applying the theory. Oh, Denise, it's been a long episode. But folks, you've heard our thoughts on the criticisms of the diffusion of innovations theory. Now we'd like to hear yours. Add a comment below the blog post and tell us what you think. Have you used this theory? How have you explored the biases and criticisms of the theory? Do you have any tips? We don't want this just to be a one-way conversation. Join in by sharing your thoughts and ideas with us. 
Thanks folks for joining us on this Enablers of Change episode. Remember to subscribe to our newsletter if you'd like to know when new episodes are available. And if you liked what you've heard, please tell your friends so they can join in the conversation. All the best until we meet again.